on a thousand planets and spreading out. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. To the bat poles. May the force be with you. Who is that mask man? Avengers, assemble. Good afternoon and welcome to the Fantastic Forum. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. Here's some genre-related news before we begin today's discussion. Several noteworthy anniversaries last week, as July 3rd was 30 years since the theatrical debut of Terminator 2, Judgment Day, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, and 25 years since the opening of Independence Day, directed by Roland Emmerich. This week was also the 40th anniversary of the release of the superhero role-playing game Champions from Hero Games. I don't know about you, but I spent quite a few hours playing that game. And some sad news this week as American director Richard Donner passed away on July 5th. He was best known to genre audiences for Superman the Movie, The Goonies, Lethal Weapon, Lady Hawk, and his television work on The Twilight Zone, The Wild Wild West, and The Man from Uncle. He was 91. Today, we're talking about something that was getting a lot of interest from fans only a couple of weeks ago was something that was proposed for the Harley Quinn series and then next. I'll introduce our panel in just a moment. But first, we have a review of the long-awaited movie from Marvel Studios, which just opened yesterday. It's Black Widow, starring Scarlett Johansson. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Forum. Black Widow has been a long time coming. Originally slated to open in May 2020, the film was repeatedly pushed back as the COVID-19 pandemic stretched on. It has the distinction of being the first Marvel movie to enjoy theatrical release since Spider-Man Far From Home in July 2019. It is the second to feature a female lead. Black Widow was one of the first superheroes introduced in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, having made her first appearance in Iron Man 2 in 2010. The character is considerably older. She debuted as a villain in 1964 in Tales of Suspense No. 52. As fans of the MCU already know, Scarlett Johansson is Natasha Romanoff, espionage agent, master assassin, and member of the Mighty Avengers. Her checkered past has been alluded to in previous films. Here, the audience gets to see that past for themselves. Young Natasha is part of a Soviet sleeper cell implanted on a deep cover mission as an ordinary American family in the Midwestern U.S. Their assignment complete, the family makes a desperate escape, pursued by S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. After extraction to Cuba, young Natasha and her even younger sister are indoctrinated into the Red Room, a program for girls that trains them to become the deadliest, most ruthless killers alive. Flash forward to present day, more or less. The film takes place between the events of Captain America Civil War and Avengers Infinity War. Romanoff is being pursued by General Thunderbolt Ross after the signing of the Sokovian Accords. While hiding out, she is drawn into a dangerous mystery involving her past. 
the Black Widow is forced to seek out the family she hasn't seen in 21 years in a desperate bid to save herself and her Red Room sisters, known as Widows. Johansson is an established star who can carry a film as its lead. She does so here in a role in which she has become comfortable after numerous performances. Co-starring is Florence Pugh as Yelena Belova, the Black Widow's little sister from the sleeper cell. Pugh is a talented actress who was nominated for an Academy Award in 2019. She owns the part and the action role is a departure from what she has usually done. Audiences will also see more of her as Yelena in the upcoming Disney Plus series Hawkeye. The film also features veteran actors David Harbour and Rachel Weiss as Natasha's sleeper cell parents. Harbour gets a delightful Marvel Easter egg as he plays Soviet super soldier the Red Guardian. That character was introduced in the Avengers comics back in 1967. Harbour and Weiss are well cast and convincing. The rest of the cast is rounded out by O.T. Fagbenley, Ray Winstone, Olga Kurilenko, and William Hurt. Another great Easter egg for comics fans is the debut of Taskmaster, the villain who can perfectly mimic the skills and fighting style of anyone simply by watching them. The film delivers all the action fans have come to expect from an MCU movie, and the effects are top shelf. Even though there's no Iron Man or Thor, there is no shortage of gadgets or sheer power. In fact, I don't miss the other Avengers at all. Director Kate Shortland has a command of the material and manages the various elements and cast well. I also thought the screenplay by Eric Pearson from the story by Jack Schaefer and Ned Benson was tight, albeit formulaic. The Black Widow character in the comics doesn't have much established backstory, so there wasn't the wealth of source material from which to draw. But the character has been in the MCU long enough that the regular audience is familiar with the tidbits that have been thrown out over the years. The writer sees each and every one of those for use here, and they have created a taut action thriller. Despite its adherence to the Marvel formula, the film has something to say about family, female empowerment, and exploitation. Nothing particularly profound, but some will surely find inspiration in the tale. Despite a runtime of 2 hours and 13 minutes, the film doesn't drag. And, as audiences have come to expect, there is plenty of humor sprinkled into the action and violence. It's rated PG-13. There's no nudity or foul language, but it is violent although that violence is all in service to the story and not gratuitous. You can take kids perhaps as young as 11 or 10, but I think any younger would be pushing things. But you know your kids, so use your own discretion. You've been warned. I think the decision to push the release to when theaters reopened was a good one. People are going stir-crazy after the pandemic and ready to return to the movie houses. We'll see whether they reward the producers with another hit. All in all, You'll have an enjoyable time in Black Widow with a familiar character in a new situation. A solid film that delivers for its core audience. Two and a half stars out of four. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Forum. And there you have it, the official FF review of Black Widow starring Scarlett Johansson in theaters now. So, time to introduce the panel. Joining me are... Roberto Ortiz, Drew Bittner, and Julian Lytle. Thanks so much for being with us, fellas. Oh, and apparently, uh, Batman was going down on Catwoman. <laughs> not, yeah, I don't even want to talk about that. Uh, that's a bad one. But how about the wow. Matt 
Then well, like I get it. I just I don't I don't care. Like it's a Batman's a cartoon character. Like <laughs> no, you're not gonna have one of the people on the side of the building of Warner Brothers eating out Catwoman in the cartoon. That's stupid. Well, that's you just stu- do that's that. just bad yeah. business. And guess what? People's like, but they did this in the past. Yeah, they caught hella flack. They got hella flack for the killing joke when they had Batman sleep with Batgirl. Yeah, that wasn't that didn't go over well. Mm. They put Bat Bruce Wayne's penis in a comic book, and guess what? The new boss lady came down with the thunder on everybody involved. Nah, yeah. they ain't doing that no more. Y'all, these people sound like nickel poops on the internet. Like they don't know nothing about no real money. That's why Bugs Bunny ain't got no sexuality. Cause he's a rabbit, you dumb nuts. <laughs> well, but he okay. He may not truly have any sexuality, but he 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 gender identifies. He doesn't gender. Male, ident- he, he's whatever. He's a, he's a trickster rabbit. That's he's it. Not, it's a cartoon character. Well, he's he like, dresses in to, drag sometimes, but that's what makes whatever. it funny. Yeah, exactly. It's comedy. It's not even about actually being. It's just it's a rabbit, and there's a foe. He's gonna get out of it, like. People think it's that's okay. Deep. That's okay. I mean, and it's you know, not that well, deep. Like, like again, Batman is a PG thirteen character. Nah, he's not doing that. Harley I, Quinn is an R rated character because her movies are R rated. Ding uh, ding ding. Good point. They put labels on things. Superman ain't doing that crazy neither. Yeah. Yeah. None of the Marvel characters do anything with actual real sex in it. Tony Stark kisses Pepper. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, mm. that's true. That's pretty true. You're recording this regularly. Oh yes. Okay, good. We've been recording since before you, you came be on. You, just, you hear me be bad. He's gonna put it on there. People just hear me be angry. Well, okay. Well, well, it's the mute Batman on Twitter. I had the mute Batman. I'm gonna miss news on Batman because of these nincompoops. Yeah, one of the things I that's I what I'm saying. It's basically when people were telling me that, oh, the DC Universe is supposed to be darker, and that's why we had to release R-rated Superman movies. And it's like, do you understand that that's dumb, what you just said? That the target audience basically always should be a 13-year-old kid, at least. And to basically say, oh, Superman is going to be mature, blah, blah, it defeats the purpose of what the character is supposed to be about. Well, and Marvel has done that stuff themselves. I mean, that's what Deadpool is. That's what these Wolverine movies are. Yes, but it's specific characters that lend themselves for that. Like DC has Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn is a character that basically is geared towards teenagers and adults. And I get that. And it's fine. Uh, But the big three should not be in that target. It should be basically uh, 13 and above. Well, Thing about Harley is they still market Harley Quinn toys to kids. That's yeah, true. So, that's true. So you can't really say that Harley is all that innocent a character because, or I'm sorry, all that all that quote unquote adult a character because she's really not. The cool thing, I, I don't the, think she's on the. She's not. She's she's new and popular, but she's not completely marquee yet, which I think is the difference. Because again, like Batman is literally. On like one of the for the like, I think Warner Brothers Animation Building. Like yeah, at this point, on the, to the, the station yeah. Area. Like yeah. um, if Batman does this in a cartoon, no matter if we know the cartoon is R rated and on HBO Max or Fox News, 
they're going to talk about Batman yeah. giving oral sex to Catwoman in a cartoon. Yeah. And that's a week of news. And then it's a week on the left side talking about why the right is talking about X, Y, and Z. If I'm Warner Brothers, if I'm anybody, I'm like, we're not going through that. No one cares about Harley Quinn that much. Within the cult, there's, there's no Adam West running around as Harley Quinn. There's nobody. It's like, it, does, it doesn't mean the same thing. It's like, you know, I, I always think about Joe, Michael Jordan saying, Republicans buy shoes too. Yeah. It's like, I could disagree mm. with that, but I get it. And no, mm-hmm. Batman ain't doing that. You are you are you you really want people to mess the money up, huh? Like that's what people on the line. People who got no stakes in it at all. Really out there that's, want people to lose their job. It's totally true. It's totally mm-hmm. true. People don't people don't have any stake in in what Batman does. They just want to have the freedom to see Batman doing what they feel like they want to see him doing. But that's not that's not the story here. Yeah, but the thing is that. What kind of storytelling are you trying to do? You're trying to do basically storytelling that basically is mature or mature. Because there's a big difference between what a 13-year-old thinks is mature and what's actually mature in terms of storytelling. And, for example, I, uh, I, I have a problem specifically when somebody tells me, oh, you're doing a dark and edgy story, and blah, 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 and it's going to be mature. Not necessarily. That's, this sounds basically like a teenager telling me, oh, how edgy things are. And not realizing that you can do compelling storytelling, uh, like Sandman, I guess, that uh, not necessarily has to basically, you know, check buttons to make it edgy. And in the case of Batman, I agree with Julian that they it's a brand. And it's brand management 101. And... It's a billion-dollar brand. When I went to Target today, and I went through the toy aisle, the DC Comics section, all the action figures, all the Mark Friendly figures, everything, all of them, all of them were Batman and the Batman characters. All of them. Yeah. That's how much value that brand has. And I know Mark Friendly makes other figures from other characters, but Target only wants Batman. Well, for the, from that that DC line is is basically, it is ninety percent Batman yeah. and family, and you might get a random Superman figure, like yeah. for real. I look at when they come out, people say, oh, "I gotta go get this one. I gotta go with this one," and I like, you know, and I end up got tricked to talk about this thing I hate. Um, because the the thing of it is, I don't really have a problem with it my problem my problem is with the people's reaction to like why they would say no because in the realms of what's going on the harley quinn show is hilarious it's one of the few times that they got actual funny people to write a funny show with some superhero characters like modern curb your enthusiasm level comedy like wow, y'all really doing this? It's not the one thing when you watch like American Dad or, or freaking Family Guy, and it's the same same jokes it's been for the last fifteen years. Like, it's tight jokes, but it's just like, nah, you can't have Batman doing that. No one would care if it was Nightwing. No one would care if it was the Red Hood. No one would care if it was a whole lot of people. I don't even think they would even let Catwoman, like, receive such things because like. 
nah, that's gonna be Zoe Kravitz in the movie. Nah, we ain't doing that. But like dope, like like nah, we ain't doing that. So it's like I I get it, and it's like I don't even have a problem with doing that story in that show because that show is funny, and that's the purpose of the show. It is a comedy. It is an adult comedy. That's fine, but don't get mad when. Don't even get mad because the people making the show get notes. How many TV shows get notes from people higher up? On like, nah, you ain't doing that. You think people who wrote Friends didn't get notes? You think it, that's a that's a main? You think SNL doesn't get notes every week? Come on, man. Come on, man. These people be daft. Hold hold that thought just one second. You are listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming via WERA.FM. We are your community radio station. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Drew Bittner and Julian Lytle and Roberto Ortiz. It's, it's well, it's inexplicable because uh, on the one hand, you can't buy publicity like this. So wait a minute. So j- just just so I'm clear, because... I had seen um, <laughs> some really explicit artwork that mm-hmm. some fan had done, mm-hmm. and I gathered that that wasn't what everybody is talking about. You know? <laughs> okay. No. no, no. Basically, it came out that the writers of the Harley Quinn show mm-hmm. uh, came up with a scene in which we see Batman uh, performing about the, well, yeah, performing oral sex on Catwoman. And people from DC was like, or nah. <laughs> um, and yeah, that got out, so it's not in the show. And then people that's do it would do a tizzy because somebody said, nah, you ain't having you ain't essentially having a comic book Michael Jordan and do something crazy in a cartoon. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's it. Well, yeah. Well, okay. That's now, it. I, I saw, wow. I saw a panel that uh, I think was from, uh, the well, from Batman, where it looked as if, uh, like a post coita scene, yeah. and uh, yeah, Batman doesn't have a shirt on, yeah. but he does have his cowl and his cape and his gloves, yeah. and uh, you know, Catwoman is also sort of semi dressed. And it looks as if, like I said, post coitus there. But um, but this other one left absolutely nothing to the imagination. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that was, yeah I think there's there's been there's, that's been in the comics before, like the the afterwards of the thing. I think it was just very different than the comedic scene where he's actively doing an act. Mm-hmm. And again, the amount of people who's going to watch that cartoon. And how it's going to spread, yeah. especially these days of making recording clips and then making it go viral, way different in a random Batman comic that comes out in a random month and a random week that only about maybe a hundred thousand people might read. And and, right. and and the cool thing is that mostly adults, yeah, like and old men, yeah. And let me add to that that there's so much fan art out there that is high quality that. It will be hard to people have outrage for this because there will be also the the thing that people will know is this real or is this fan art so uh if you're talking specifically about stills 
uh, or a comics uh, comic page, fine. I I'm pretty sure they can get away with it. But uh, a clip from an animated show, done in high quality, like uh, Warner Bros. Animation can do, uh, that would be a horrible idea. I agree. That will go super viral, super quickly. Yeah. But it's good publicity. Yep. Even if yeah. it's bad publicity. <laughs> well, you know, and that's some people say there's no such thing as bad publicity, but there really is. <laughs> there really yes. is. And and this is actually kind of it. Yeah. No, actually, the worst was the Batman, the damned graphic novel where Batman's thing was hanging out. Oh, yeah. But that, that was supposed to be like uh, adult yeah. stuff, that's what I, right? Well, so is this cartoon. But I'm just saying that set a precedent of bad publicity in regards to Batman having anything beyond the sale PG-13 portrayal. Mm-hmm. That was a bad week. A lot of people caught a lot of L's over that. Like, it was <laughs> it was not good. Like, it was not good. So, no, they're not making that mistake again. Nigga poops. <laughs> Yeah. Well, but the other thing, uh, and I just kind of want to mention what Roberto said about the big three making these things something suitable that thirteen-year-olds could see, and and this is this is kind of an issue that I have because they, it's like DC doesn't want Batman to be that kind of character, or um, in terms of what you're willing to show them, uh, young people. I mean, uh, we we want to censor the sex. But we don't seem to have a problem with the violence, and I I take great exception to that because you know Batman is is a very violent character, and that, that was something that I noticed even on the cartoon. And I mean they were they were slick about the way they did it. And I'll give you a real good example. Um, there was a um, an episode uh, of. I think it was actually an episode of Superman, the animated series, where Batman was a guest star. It was called The Demon Reborn. Uh, that was the one where the Batman and Superman teamed up against uh, Ra's al Ghul. Um, you remember that one, right? Yeah, it was a great one. Yes. Oh, yes. But there's a scene, in fact, when Batman um, attacks, because Ra's al the the uh, Society of Shadows is uh they're on their with i guess they're in gotham or whatever and or sorry metropolis and they're on their way to join Raish, and um they're loading their uh flying motorcycles or whatever and they're like finish loading those the master will be waiting for us and batman's like he's going to be disappointed and he starts jumping in there and fighting and a great great action sequence and in fact one of the things i loved about that show because both Superman and Batman both got to show how tough they were. I mean, Superman stopping the runaway train at the beginning and then Batman in that sequence. But um, when he is, he jumps onto one of the, because, you know, these guys attack him, of course, and they're got their flying things and their nunchucks and throwing stars and all this stuff. And uh, so at one point, Batman jumps on to one of these flying things behind the guy. He grabs the guy's arm and he breaks it at the elbow. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, my God. I mean, it was just I mean, it was real quick. It was real casual. But he broke the dude's arm at the elbow. And I was like, Batman it does not play. I mean, even yeah. on a freaking cartoon, I mean, he is like, <laughs> he don't play. 
Yeah. Well, but that's the thing with American society. We it's backwards in Europe. In Europe, they have a more pro, bigger problem with uh, with violence and sex. Yes. Yes. Um, in here, we're backwards. We basically have absolutely no problem with extreme violence. Yes. People freak out about sexuality, yeah, and that's yes. the Puritan of they put the the heart of the Puritan culture beating very fast. That anything that is sex is taboo and it's hard. But I get it specifically. Um, that's why Disney and Marvel basically go so well together now because there's hardly any discussion, hardly any sex on on the comics or anything. Mm, I'm not going to say that, but they're separated enough that it doesn't affect them. It doesn't really matter. It's the same with, with, with Warner Brothers in DC. There's certain stuff that the comics can do that they're not going to do on the other media. The thing of it is, is that if you really, if you really like, like that, like Marvel isn't doing the Harley Quinn show. No, no, they they're, could. Not, they're not, they're not built like that though. Disney never really entered that, that realm of animation. Whereas Warner Brothers has Cartoon Network, which has Adult Swim. And it's kind of like part of the DNA at this point of Warner's animation after the last 20 years. To have animated fair, it's not just made like The Simpsons. That's for everybody. Adults can laugh, but literally, like, oh, now this is for grown folks after after eleven o'clock at night. This ain't this ain't for this ain't for little kids at all. We we letting you know it's called Adult, adult Swim. Swim. And you know it because we come on when you see the MCU, ain't no, ain't ain't nobody had ain't nobody have no sex in there either. So like. MCU stuff, nah, man. They be, again, as I said, Tony Stark just kissed Pepper. Steve Rogers, it took him 20, 22 movies to get one kiss. Uh, I don't even know if Ant Man kissed the Wasp. I swear to God, I don't know. They, they, they kissed. Okay, thank you. Because like literally, I wouldn't even be well, funny. I just in, didn't in, remember. In like in the first movie, I think <laughs> I don't think yeah. they kissed in the second movie. I think Star Lord kissed Gamora. Like that's that's as far. As far as we getting Thor, he might have his shirt off around Jane. That's it. That's far we getting. But mm-hmm. um, it's it's the same. Like, but mm. Ulysses, well, they right can, they, they can make the money right. without that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But it's going to be at a certain fair. Like you, you're right about the violence, but because you, you know, this the Batman when it comes out, that's going to have some hard hitting scenes in there. Yeah. He's going to be beating the tar out of some people. We already seen mm-hmm. the trailer, mm-hmm. but it is what it is. Like. You know, it's PG-13, so they can only go but so far. Well, what bothers me, though, is, um, I mean, and this is more just with me generally, because what it suggests, and uh, Roberto, you kind of touched on this in terms of talking about the puritanical culture. What it suggests is a bunch of people who are repressed sexually, and I don't think that's constructive. You know, I mean, I don't think it's healthy. And uh, I mean, not that you want people, you know, running around, you know, with Dave Johnson's hanging out at a breast or whatever, right, or whatever, yeah. you know, but, but there's a happy medium. I mean, because, you know, healthy sexual expression is positive. And it, it seems that we are so fearful culturally of that sexual expression that it's damaging. Now, the other side of that, just to carry a little bit further, these same people who are complaining about the level of sexuality in uh, so many, that is so pervasive 
you know, in a sort of clandestine way because you can't look at television, particularly any kind of advertising, without there being something sexually suggestive. And frankly, a lot of entertainment too. But these very same people, you take them off at a camera and off at a mic and they are going buck wild out there. But I tell you what, that musical cue means it's time for us to take a short break. Of course, Fantastic Forum comes to you via WERA 96.7 FM. We are community radio, and you should visit the website at WERA.FM. Find out how you can support this wonderful institution and how you can become involved, because there are a lot of opportunities for that. But in the meantime, we are going to pause while we acknowledge our underwriters and our sponsors and while we promote some of the other wonderful offerings on this station. But don't touch that dial because Julian, Drew, and Roberto and I will be right back right after this. And welcome back to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming via WERA.FM. Radio Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Roberto Ortiz and Julian Lytle and Drew Bittner. And we are uh, talking about, well, actually, we were talking about the anniversary of, and, um, and there are a lot of people who were involved in these subcultures, you know, where they are doing all kinds of freaky stuff. I mean, that I personally would blush at, and I don't blush at much. So, uh, but it troubles me because I feel like the Europeans have it better and you, you, or have it, not necessarily have it better, but have it, they're more accurate with what they're doing and fear the violence more than you fear the sex. But, you know, but that's part of the reason we have the problem that we do in this country. So that's, that's just me on my soapbox. Okay, but. Yeah, but here's one thing I don't understand. Uh, the big, this, one of the biggest box office markets happens to be China. And they have a problem specifically, they take us a little bit further because they have a problem with representations of uh, homosexual content, LGBT content. And I, that I don't understand. Why would people freak out about that too? I mean, our culture has well, it, we, but... We, 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 we have... We have, but it has improved from one of the few things on this planet Earth that has improved a little bit in the past 10 years has been the representation of LGBTQ characters both in the media and in general entertainment. It's improving compared to where it used to be. Well, they don't don't display the same... um... Uh, sort of caricatures of these characters. You know, it was there were there were. Um, yeah, bingo. Oh come on, what's the? Um, they were. Uh, oh, what am I trying to say here? Help me. I they they they, they were. Um, the sissy. Uh, I'm sorry. What? The sissy. The yeah. Sissy yeah, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but there's there's stereotypes. Thank you. Yes, exactly. Yes, and um, and that was the way. That, I mean, for at least for 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 homosexuals. Well, excuse me. For um for, for male gay gays yeah. exactly and for um lesbian women yeah. they were always hyper masculine you know because that's sort of you know and that was the the stereotype on that side you know and or a spinster um, or a spinster like a, ah yeah a, like yeah you a, could a have a yeah. woman like 
you could say Maud and All in the Family before she got her own show was coded as a lesbian. But when Lo- wow. Maud got her own show, yeah, they had to you give saw her a she she was an older woman with an older husband and all this that in the third. Yeah. So and she just beat him down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in the day she down. was probably still kind of technically coded as a lesbian. And it's but, funny how yeah, many part shows... of the reason Archie Bunker didn't like her. Exacto Mundo. That's why that made that show genius, but yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry, Roberto. That's that's the cool thing about a lot of the shows from the seventies, if you watch them with modern eyes, how some of them were not that good, but the ones that were written well had a lot of coded characters, specifically in terms of the spectrum, and how it changed how, kind of like in the 70s, in the 80s, sorry, specifically in terms of the representation of those kind of characters, where in a show like Friends, which is 90s, um, there's a very strongly coded homophobia in terms of a lot of the characters that is very strong. And, but uh, I feel that we have progress specifically in terms of how things are presented. Well, it was out of necessity in the 70s because they were trying to get by the censors. And uh, yeah. and I agree uh, with what you were saying, uh, Julian, because uh, All in the Family was brilliant. And I mean, there there's still some things that stick with me from that one. In fact, uh, I remember there was a joke they told on one show and, um, and it was uh, basically all right, uh, a, a, a father and son are uh, in a in an automobile accident and they're taken to the hospital and the son is brought into surgery and the surgeon sees the boy and says i can't operate on him this is my son and the whole joke was how could this be possible and people went through all these contortions like oh the boy was adopted or that was his stepfather and all this and nobody thought it was his mother who was the surgeon, you know, the, which was the answer to the thing, you know, because, yeah. you know, 1974 or whatever, you know, that particular show was on, you know, that was that wasn't what people thought. I mean, and sadly, uh, you know, this that that was pervasive, you know, through television at the time. Hell, I was watching. Sometimes it crops up depending on what you're watching. I was watching an episode of Star Trek uh, the other day, first season uh, court martial where uh, Joan Marshall is playing. Uh, a real Shaw, the uh, the uh, prosecuting attorney in Kirk's court martial, and she and McCoy are talking, and McCoy says, "All my old friends look like doctors. All Jim's old friends look like you." You know, it's like you know, because <laughs> doctors looked a certain way in 1966. You know, it's like oh, yeah. <laughs> they didn't look like Joan Marshall; they're a bunch of old white dudes. You know, and uh, you know, so it just cracks me up because some stuff doesn't age that well nope. in terms of. Uh, you know the overall presentation but uh yeah yeah i mean and and all in the family was brilliant with the stereotypes i mean they were in fact it's funny because despite archie bunker's prejudices i remember there was one episode he was talking about getting his lawyers on somebody is like the law firm of rabinowitz 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 and rabinowitz he described him as seven savage jews that would tear the skin off your bones you know and i was like okay archie Hey, that's, that's, the thing that's interesting about that show is when they do the live re, re, when they do the live episodes now when they redo the mm. episodes mm. is yeah. that they have to they have to bleep things that weren't bleeped when it was originally aired in the seventies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because that lets you know that, that you can't we, say yeah that technically we have not progressed. We've nope. gotten even more restrictive. Yep. 
40 to 50 yeah. years later than what was allowed on television through the censors of the time to so-called less progressive era it was that was allowed on tv but yeah. y'all y'all out here bleeping this from 1974 or something like i actually so like archie bunker would not be made today no you can't do arch you can't you, you you can't do all in the family they still they're still archie bunker types yeah, neighborhood on yeah. cbs is a good example of it in terms of such an entertainer's character but it don't hit it you're not going to have archie bunker talking to meathead being a racist to build up for when you finally meet george jefferson to call him a honky to his face nah yeah, yeah. that was it was like oh he actually made his true equal oh it's on <laughs> like, and you know he's able to watch that as like a kid and then you get to jefferson's like yeah we we on the come up that's what i'm talking about he out here just cursing people out that was the best yeah well but you know but then once the jeffersons got on you know there was stuff that they did on there i mean what used to get me uh was um the uh the interracial couple and george was dogging them he was dogging them like all the time yeah (laughs) oh goodness but i'm sorry uh drew you were getting ready to say something oh no i just um okay drew you're 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 fading in and out there oh can you hear me uh, can hear you now. All right. So, what were you saying? Okay. Um, and all the family today, it would be hard because it was so groundbreaking and so provocative. And you know, Norman Lear was not out to spare anybody. He was he he was spearing Archie, but he was also spearing Mike and the the very liberal point of view as well. So, I mean, that that gets lost in the conversation sometimes. But there were an awful lot of moments where you know, Meathead took some real shots and was called out on some things that, you know, may have been seen as hypocrisy on uh, in certain ways. But anyway, um, putting, putting that aside for a moment, it would, it would be very hard to do a show like that today because the networks have gotten safer. The, the really moved to cable and I'm sorry, the really frankly, you faded out for a second there. You said the, the really, the really edgy content has uh, moved to cable. Mm-hmm. And people just frankly don't have the. Okay, people frankly not just don't have the guts to do that kind of mass programming anymore. And that's sad. That's actually a big loss to entertainment that we don't have an honest conversation specifically about people in general in terms of the general media content i mean we can say that there's some quality television like uh breaking bad game of thrones when it was good but that's cable again that's cable like, right, what's right. what's general anymore when when not many people are all watching the same thing but the thing is that i feel like the focus of those shows is very narrow um game of thrones was about the corruption of power specifically ignoring basically everything else um, Breaking Bad is basically it's about the, uh, the the beating heart of America, specifically in terms of a person being corrupted and was evil in and out and accepting his, his destiny. But I feel like um, something like All in the Family brought something to the conversation that we lack. And I don't feel we'll get any time soon of and characters basically honestly talking 
about the world now. Well, I, I agree, but here's here's the thing though. There was a subtle there's a subtlety to yeah. being able to do shows like that. And you know, there's still a lot of edgy content, there's still a lot of provocative content, but um, you know, I, I don't I don't think that how do I how do I want to how do I want to put this? because um, I don't I don't want to generalize, but there's you need a re an exceptionally discerning audience to put on some types of entertainment because um, everything being equal today, there are a lot of viewers who are they're looking at at television and they want to be entertained, but they're also wary. They're watching. And they're prepared to be insulted. And if they are insulted, they may shift into activist mode. And then they're going to want to, um, you know, have the sponsors pulled from whatever offending yeah. content. Uh, you know, they're going to want, um, you know, the uh, the stars in the show to offer an apology or the writers or the producers or whomever. And, um, you know, so there's. You, you have to tread very carefully as somebody who is uh, putting one of these shows on, again, whether you're the producer or the writer or, you know, whomever who is, uh, uh, who is uh, leading this thing. Because um, if you're not careful, uh, and it might not even be that your material falls flat. I mean, it could just be the way you presented it or the way somebody receives it to, uh, you know, opening up a hornet's nest that you know causes the show uh to uh, to go away you know i mean or, or you know it creates a, a controversy some sort of outcry that uh is unrecoverable hey you're listening to fantastic forum on wera 96.7 fm and streaming via wera dot fm we are arlington I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined by Julian Lytle and Drew Bittner and Roberto Ortiz. This is why I feel like what Watchmen did, the TV show, was brilliant. Because they did a bait and switch. It's like, oh, you think you're going to get a superhero show? Okay. We're going to talk about race relations in America in the most honest, brutal fashion possible. But we're going to sell this to probably everybody, including the executives, that this is a superhero show. Okay. <laughs> and then it became one of the best theses I've seen about America and race that I've ever seen in my life. In yeah, but it didn't present it in such a way that was offensive. I mean, yeah, there might have been mm, people who were... Uh, sure. <laughs> Damn! They, well, they, I, well, well, I don't, well, what, I don't what, totally what part, what part I don't, was... A, I mean, yeah, short of, short of the woman with the big blue dildo. I mean, I don't know. No, what I'm the, just saying, but wait, wait. We can't control what people find offensive, but I also don't think. I think HBO knew exactly what they were getting the whole time, because it took them three times to get Lindelof to make the show. Hmm. So, um, just as the comic book itself isn't about what people think it's about, he was he was dead. He was purposely trying to make a show. That's covering something that the comic didn't deal with at all, which is race, the origin of superheroism, and his connection to racism, 
and all that. So, like, and he wanted to make sure that he had a lot of black people in the process of making the show. So I, HBO is a, I don't, I don't want to, something like HBO, especially then, is still a niche premium. You have to pay $15 a month for it brand versus All in the Family was on network television. Yeah. And network television is free. Thing of it is, is that the only thing that really draws ratings to network television is still live sports and competition shows. Original content, like scripted content, does not get the same numbers as it even did 10, 15, dang sure not 20 years ago. Like, I think what, um, or maybe a quarter of the country watched the end of Friends when it ended. Yeah. Like a quarter of the population of this whole nation. What what was it MASH when MASH ended in like the seventies? It was basically like two thirds of the country watched the end of a program. So you're not getting those numbers anymore. Um because uh again, not everybody watches the same thing between streaming, uh cable content, YouTube, social media, binging, like uh, it's you true. know, it's like it's, it's like when we talk about comics, you know, like you hear what was a low selling comic in 1995 or 1985 compared to what's what's considered a high selling comic. Now, mm. you're mm. like a high selling comic wouldn't even make it back in like 88. Like what? That's it. Now, nah, cancel that. Put out something else. We got we got clear at least 300,000 books. You know what I'm saying? Like. Uh, things are changing up. So, yeah, you won't get all in the family for, for what reason. It's not going to... I don't care what it is. It ain't going to hit the same way. Not here. Not in this country. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drew, you were starting to say something. No, um, I, I agree. I think that, uh, you know, we we have this very, very balkanized and fractionalized entertainment set up right now. Everybody's watching different things. As, as Julian said, I mean, there's there's too many options for entertainment these days. Uh, video content is just everywhere. So so you don't get the kind of common ground entertainment that we used to have even 15 years ago. And it's just going to, it's probably just going to get worse. So we, we are in a state where, you know, killer ratings may be 5% of the audience, you know, something like that. And to do to get those done, you're going to have to do things that are further and further out that are more and more original or daring or provocative or dangerous or risky. People will take bigger on some things, and who knows, you may see some really wild stuff that would not have even been imaginable as video content you know, 20, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, and particularly as you look at the sensibilities of your audience, and I was saying this to somebody the other day because uh, it, it's kind of the way that I feel about uh, Quentin Tarantino movies, mm-hmm. uh, because um, you know it, Quentin Tarantino is all about trying to shock the audience. I remember that was the big thing with uh, Pulp Fiction, and there's that scene where Ving Rhames is getting anally raped, you know. And because uh, that was the movie right there, you know, it's like you're wondering what's going on. They drag him into this room and then they put the music on and uh, you're wondering what's going on. And when Bruce Willis finally, like, you know, opens that door, I mean, everybody is like, 
okay, of all the various things I might have suspected, that was not one of them. Oh, my goodness, you know? And um, it seems as if there are, you know, filmmakers who are, that, that's, that's what they specialize in. You know, it's like we're going to, and, and, but the problem is that you have to keep going further and further in an effort to shock your audience that has become desensitized to images of violence or images, sexual imagery or, you know, shocking imagery, whatever. I mean, to where yeah. it, the bar keeps moving and it's like, it's just, I mean, this is how you end up, in my estimation, with QAnon. You know, I mean, this is, they're just people who become, you know, yeah, you know, they're going to believe whatever in the heck you put in front of them. Well, yeah. there, was, there was a great, there was a great bit in The Simpsons years ago where Homer and, and Marge are sitting up watching TV in bed. And this is set, it's set in the future, like years and years down the road. And Marge looks at Homer and says, wow, Fox became a softcore porn channel so gradually I never even noticed. <laughs> well but you used to be able to show uh i mean on network television you used to be able to show nudity after a certain hour i remember um there were some shows that came on and and see that that's another thing i mean and i i only thought about this because there was something a few weeks ago that i was watching at like one in the afternoon and i i swear that was the kind of show in terms of the content that at one time only would have been shown after like 10, 11 at night. But they're oh, like, yeah. you know what? We can put this, it's 2021. We can put this on at one in the afternoon because nobody cares. Yeah. I guess so. But, but the thing is, I think it's a double-edged sword. I think that there's content specifically that they might be saying it's being more edgy, but I don't think that it's again the, the analogy I say specifically in terms of what's actually mature, uh, in terms of is this actually what a very mature person thinks is mature content, or is this something that is actually mature in terms of the content? And barring certain prestige shows, I feel and sorry for the generalization, um, uh, that uh, it feels like the media is moving more towards embracing the chuck value instead of the storytelling value of what they're trying to tell in terms of the story um there's ex uh, exceptions to the rule of course breaking bad would be a great storytelling uh narrative but um i don't know i i really don't see the current normal leader for example or somebody at that caliber who basically can tell me about the human condition in a way that will make me think I, I know that I, I will be shocked, but I'm not exactly I think sure. you need to watch more TV, Roberto. Uh, There's a lot yeah. of good stuff. I would say you should watch Pose. You'll learn a lot about the human condition. Which ones? Pose, Pose on FX. Actually, one exception I wanted to say, and I mean this, I feel that the current generation of African-American filmmakers are doing an awesome job specifically in terms of pushing the 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 narrative forward and in terms of the kind of stories that they want to tell and how they're telling them that's where I, I feel like there's a lot of innovation coming in terms of storytelling uh specifically from minority voices and well but... no, no finish finish your thought 
No, that's what I, sorry, that's it. Oh, okay. Well, no, I, the only thing I was going to add is um, that there's still a huge representation problem in, in yeah. well, it generally, I mean, because, yeah, there's there's a wonderful, and actually, I think there are probably a lot of, the, the generation, not just of African-American filmmakers, young African-American filmmakers, but young filmmakers today, because the tools with which they have to, uh, to tell their stories are so much more robust than they have ever been, uh, you know, for uh, for creatives. And but the problem is we're only getting a small spattering of these voices. You know, where are the Latino voices? Where are the Asian voices? You know, where are the voices for, um, you know, marginalized um, marginalized groups or, um, uh, you know, for. Uh, 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 alternative lifestyle groups, you know, and until we have, until we really have all of these, um, you know, and, and I think, I think ultimately it's coming because somebody is going to figure that they can make some money off of it, quite frankly. And, you know, so they're going to pursue, it's going to, I mean that, but that's how you get a show like pose on TV in the first place. You know, somebody's like, Oh, there isn't anything else like that. And FX has been real good. Yes. about putting certain types of shows on i mean you know hell that the the shield show about a dirty cop you know it's like what the hell i couldn't believe what i was watching when i'm watching that show um yeah. justified which i've been catching up with lately um because i hadn't seen the first season of that and i just i'm like this is this show is crazy and there's a depth to it that i didn't appreciate in first run you know um so even stuff like Fargo, you know, that's or uh, American Horror Story, that's and more anthology, you know, in terms of FX season to season. Color, right? hmm? You're doing huh? a commercial for FX right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, FX oh, another FX. Snowfall is another show on FX that's off the chain, you know. But it's like they specialize in in stuff like that. And I don't know that you could have had well, maybe Justified, but I don't know that you could have any of those shows on network TV. You know they're so risk averse. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And yep. actually, I can answer your question specifically on why you're not seeing more Latino voices. Um, it has to do specifically about that the gate, the gatekeepers happen to be film schools. Um, USC, for example, it's really hard to get into USC, and if you happen to be a minority, it's almost impossible. Sorry, and. They, they have to change that. Yes. If you're a, a, a Latino kid, basically who at, at most will come basically from middle class, it will be really hard for you to compete with kids who basically are already in Hollywood, who are already, what, two, three, four generation in the business getting into film school. And that's why you keep hearing the same voices over and over again, because it's a very incestuous business what's happening in Hollywood right now. And um, I agree that a lot of independent filmmakers are up and coming, but the gatekeepers is still Hollywood. So anyway, look, uh, that musical cue means that uh, we are regrettably out of time for this episode. I'd like to thank my guests and you too for tuning in. Of course, Fantastic Forum is also a television show and you can check your local listings and you can also go to the website at fantasticforum.tv where we have various episodes uh, in their entirety. We also have 
segments broken out in terms of the interviews, the event coverage, the toy and game profiles, the special features, all those things you have come to expect and to love from Fantastic Four. Uh, also, if you happen to miss any portion of the first run of the radio show, the show re-airs each and every Thursday right here on WERA from 3 to 4. And we're available as a podcast on all those platforms where you can find your favorite podcast. Thanks to our friends at the Great Geek Refuge. So make sure to come back again next week. Same bat time, same bat station. Again, thanks so much for tuning in. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend and stay safe.